0: Why can James Franklin not win the big games? Texas having to go to a backup quarterback and sign stealing in college football. Also, is there a wizard coaching? We'll talk about all of that with ESPN's Tom at It is ball. I'm Ryan Brown. Welcome in the show presented by mybookie.ag. Code next round when you sign on at mybookie.ag. Get that sign-on bonus of 110% free money from our friends at mybookie.ag. What is up, Luke? How are you? Hey, buddy. I'm doing good, man. I'm ready to roll. I hear you. Let's start with Ohio State, Penn State. It is an unfortunate trend for James Franklin. He cannot beat Ohio State or Michigan, which is who you got to beat to win that conference. And when he faces top 10 teams, it has not gone well. I don't have it in front of me, but I think he's now 3-16 and 16 in 19 games against top 10 teams. Yeah. That is a bad record for a Penn State coach. What goes wrong for James Franklin in these big games?
1: Yeah, And 1-9 and against Ohio State. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. It's difficult to put your finger on why this happens. And I say that because on our Sunday XM show, myself and Barrett Salee, for a number of years, we literally used to devote a segment to our show on Jim Harbaugh for this exact same reason. Yeah, For whatever reason, they could not beat teams in the top 10. They could not beat Ohio State. Everything was a struggle when there was a lot of hype around a big game and they would come out on the losing end. They would disappoint. And then all of a sudden it took one time and everything else changed. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if, if it's coaching, if it's player preparation, if it's a lack of focus, if it's just downright bad luck. What, what exactly is And I think if 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 they knew what it was. They'd correct it. They'd correct no, it. They no. would fix it. This was the one football team, talent-wise, that was probably the best opportunity for Penn State to beat Ohio State and for Penn State to potentially try and take on uh, Michigan, who they get at home. But for some reason, they fall flat, and I don't I don't get it because uh, – and listen, that wasn't a pretty football game. No, you know, no, we no. were on. We were on with, with Oklahoma and UCF, which was a fantastic game. We're okay. on in the same window, so I go back and I watch that thing, and it wasn't as if you know Ohio State just wowed. The difference no. was Ohio State had a guy wearing number eighteen, and Penn State didn't. Yeah, and yeah. I think the other thing that stood out to me was, offensively, Penn State looked. They looked like they were confused. They looked overwhelmed. The wide receivers could not create separation. There were no windows to throw the football into, and it really affected Drew Aller. And as, and as talented as Drew Aller is, he hadn't been challenged like that, which is kind of head scratching because they beat Iowa thirty-one to nothing, and Iowa has got dudes on defense. So it just—it was one of those scenarios where it's like every single time the moment comes. And we consider uh, he's the head coach. James Franklin is the head coach. And it falls on him. But it also falls on the players, too. Why, Why are you not performing to your best level in the game that you shouldn't have any trouble getting hyped for? You shouldn't have any trouble getting excited to play. Huge window. Conference title implications. Like, everything's out there for you to go out and kick ass. And they just fall short.
0: And it is not anything new. I mean, as you said, 1-9 and nine, in 10 years, the one game he has won over Ohio State was that blocked field goal at home. And look, that play counts. I'm not trying to diminish that win. That was a good win for them. There was a they huge
1: penalty the- on that play, by the way. A huge <laughs> penalty. Penn State tugged uh, the block. He tugged the one uh, blocker so that they could get a free rush, and it wasn't called. I'll never sure. forget that play.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, they end up winning the Big Ten Championship, and that yeah. is the one year where he's actually been some big teams. Now, he's been a consistent – he won the Rose Bowl last year. So, he's yeah. been a consistent winning coach. They just can't win the big games. Drew Aller throws 42 times in that game. And I know that was not the game plan. You are kind of forced. Your hand was a little bit yeah. forced. A lot of those came on that late-game scoring drive. But still, there's not a scenario where you want Drew Aller throwing 42 times in a big game like that.
1: Well, no, and they had to anticipate from an offensive game plan that, listen, I'm Mike Yursick. I'm I'm James Franklin. Ohio State is not going to let Nick Singleton and Catron Allen beat us. So they're going to load the box. They're going to give us one-on-one opportunities, and we got to win on the outside. And they couldn't. I mean, they're one for 16 on third down. If you're one for 16 on third down at home, you're probably not winning, let alone on the road. And there were just nowhere to go with the ball. Pressure was was left and right. I thought, you know, for a young player, which you can expect some of this, when the wall started closing in, Drew Aller's eyes started coming down, right? And now all of a sudden you're not, you know, standing in there to deliver the ball. And that's a maturation process for a young quarterback. And, you know, I, I did get the feeling to some degree, and I think he's going to be a really good player. Um, he's got, he's got pro-level type of talent. But it was a little bit too big. I kind of got that sense that that moment at that time, given the games leading up to it, um, it was a little too big. And that's not to say that he's not going to be a great player and that other moments like that won't come along and he'll play fantastic. He's young. He's a redshirt freshman. So we'll see what happens going forward. But it's again, the similarities to the early tenure of Jim Harbaugh at Michigan are so, so unique and eerily similar.
0: Uh, by the way, I think I counted 15 possessions, five, three, and outs. So not only that third down number, which that number will contribute to three and outs, obviously. Sure. But I mean, a third of your possessions are three and outs against a team like Ohio State. Uh, that is, you're you're starting in a hole that way.
1: No question about it. And and when you're doing that. Uh, then you add a field possession element into it, and, and, and from a field position perspective, how long is the field? And it just it started to kind of compound itself and, and roll downhill on them. And listen, um, they got an opportunity. If you're James Franklin and the football team, you're going to be the first football team that will actually be a challenge for Michigan. Yeah. Now, are you going to be that challenge? Talent-wise, you should be. See what happens. Come up big and
0: play well at home. You know, the interesting thing is, and I'd have to go back and look at the exact numbers. My guess would be in his time at Penn State, James Franklin probably makes, if you had had a 12 team playoff, three or four of those playoffs. Sure, he does. I mean, in the future, moving forward, he's going to be one of those coaches, going to have his program in playoff contention. Can they ever win a Big Ten championship? I don't know. He's got, he can't get past Ohio State and Michigan. Now you're about to add USC and UCLA and Oregon and Washington. More teams you got to get past. So yep. I, I don't know how that goes, but I do think he can be in the playoffs a decent amount.
1: There, He should be. And 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 given the fact that you, again, don't have to win the conference, what if you're hot at the end of the year and you get yeah. the right seating and you catch the right opponent? Next thing you know, you get hot during the 12-team playoff and you're an entirely different team whenever that game is being played or those games are being played than you were prior to championship weekend. That can happen easily.
0: Yeah. Uh, the playoff will change everything for a lot of teams. There will be a yeah. lot of teams that might – you know, not be a contender for their, conference. they may not be able to get over that conference championship hump ever, but this uh, would get them in the playoffs. Yeah. All right. Ball well, the ESPN's Tom Lugabille is presented by mybookie.ag. Code next round when you sign on to mybookie.ag. Get that sign-on bonus of 110%. That is free money. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with mybookie.ag. You use that sign-on deposit one time, you win with it, it's yours forever. Not one of those you got to win five or six times. You win once, it is yours forever. Mybookie.ag, code next round. MyBookie.ag, code next round. Also, Manscaped.com, Brown20. 20. Brown20 20 is going to be your code right here on Ball to get 20% off your first order there at Manscaped.com. They've got the lawnmower. They've got that beard hedger that I like to use. They've uh, got the handyman you can take on the road, the weed whacker that takes care of the nose hair and the ear hair. You don't want to look like an old man with all that hair growing out of your head. The lawnmower. Let's the go. Lawnmower. The <laughs> lawnmower. That takes care of the... Uh, it takes care of the unmentionables there. Uh, <laughs> uh, so body grooming and the down low right there with a lot more. That beard header is fantastic for those. Of yeah, us like to the beard down. Yes, there so we go. go. Uh, body care kit with a hygiene and all of that right there at manscaped.com. They've got boxers, manscaped.com brown 20 to get 20% off your first order. Brown 20 at manscaped.com. Great products there. All right. You're headed to Texas BYU there in Austin. Your second trip to Austin this year. But this time you will not watch Quinn Ewers. The A.C. joint injury yeah. has him out for a period of time. So now Texas goes to Malik Murphy. Now, Luke, he came in and he played for basically the fourth quarter. They didn't ask him to do much in a tight game against Houston. Right. Like got only two pass attempts. But this is a guy, when I saw a lot of people around Texas, when the Arch Manning talk was heating up, they're like, not only will Arch Manning not maybe not beat out Quinn Ewers, it's no guarantee he beats out Malik Murphy. They were very high on this guy in the preseason
1: well they were and first thing that we need to say about this young man is he didn't jump in the portal he didn't walk away he didn't quit he wasn't afraid of competition he wasn't afraid to battle and he deserves to be commended for that respected for that I admire him for it and now he's going to have an opportunity to prove his worth depending upon not only his performance but how long Quinn Ewers could be out for which is an undisclosed amount of time as of right now but when you have a second-degree AC joint uh, sprain on the throwing shoulder, that's an entirely different animal than having it yep. over here. So, yeah. um, you know, this is – it's interesting because I go back to our player evaluation of him in high school, just to give you some background. This was a kid out of a very prominent high school in Southern California. And, you know, prior to Sark's arrival, and right as Sark was actually arriving, they kind of targeted this guy. This was the guy that they, they really wanted to get. And I really liked this player, Malik Murphy, after his sophomore year. I'm like, wow, this is a big, long kid, strong arm, makes a lot of plays. But as I watched him play as a junior and a senior, I became increasingly concerned because the completion percentage was really low. Um, His junior year, he was 55% or excuse me, under 55%. His senior year, he was rated at 59%. And it's been my experience with quarterbacks at the high school level that are uber talented that are not completing a high rate of passes, that can be problematic when you make it to the next level because the jump in competition and the talent level now all of a sudden starts to even out. You're not the big dog. You're not the guy that's so much more better than everybody else in your normal high school routine or on your normal high school roster. So I think the thing for me, he is 6'5", all of 6'5". 235, there's not a throw on the field that he can't make. I mean, he's one of them guys, he's pretty when he's throwing it now but he also has a lot of the same attributes as Joe Milton Uh-oh. and he can look really good and he can have a lot of, of wow moments. He can also be extremely erratic and very, very streaky. And that's, as I, as I go into this game, knowing what I've come to find out throughout his background, um, those were the deficiencies that concerned me. And now he's going to have an opportunity to, to kind of be the guy How much will Sark tailor back the game plan? We don't know that yet. How much will they try to simplify? I think that they. I think there's going to be routine things in that offense that will make it easy on him. And early on, you try to get those concepts in so he gets confidence. Yeah. Then he gets confidence. He starts rolling. Maybe he gets hot. Now things open up a little bit. But pay close attention when you're watching this game on Saturday for accuracy, streakiness erratic play because you're going to love what you see from him physically but does the ball go where it's supposed to go does it go on time and is it in the framework of the target that he's throwing it to that's the number one thing i'm looking at here for texas
0: so their upcoming schedule Luke's, um they're pretty still a pretty heavy favorite over byu with murphy sure. starting but now kansas state comes next week that's a different animal there kansas state's yeah. a good football team they struggle mm-hmm. a little bit But now they have kind of, it seems like, found their answer in the quarterback position with a little bit of a rotation. TCU is not what they were last year, but it's a team Texas has struggled with. Iowa Mm -hmm. State on the road, not great, but can be a tricky place to play. And then you host Texas Tech. Uh, If he has to start the remainder of those games, or Arch Manning has to come in for those games, there are some tricky spots for Texas, who's right in the middle of the national championship on, but they cannot afford a loss.
1: Yeah, they can't afford a loss. And again, how long... How long will they be without Quinn Ewers? What type of impact could they have on them? I think defensively for Texas, they're in a great spot because that's that part of the ball can keep the score down and right. keep you in games each and every week. But you're right about the opponents. And I would argue Iowa State's kind of sneaky improved. And when you got to play in Ames, that, that can't be easy either. So, you know, I've had a lot of people ask me about, you know, Arch Manning in this equation. Yeah. And you know, you just referenced what it was. It, it, it's it's Kansas State, then it's Iowa State, and then Texas Tech, right?
0: Uh, TCU. Kansas State, TCU on the road, Iowa State on the road, and then Texas Tech at home. Okay.
1: So now, that's four games, right? Yep. So if you are Texas and you're Steve Sarkeesian and you're preparing two quarterbacks, and you're going to go with Malik fir- Murphy first, he's won the job as the backup, he beat out Arch Manning, you are now putting in your yourself in position after this BYU game where if you had to, you could play with Arch Manning for four weeks and still preserve the red shirt. The problem is you have to ask yourself the question, is Quinn Ewers going to be back if they were to make it to the Big 12 championship game? Yeah. So that thought's in the back of their minds right now as they're preparing. But right now it's Malik Murphy, and let's see if they can win with them. We know Texas can run the ball. They've got great weapons around Malik Murphy. BYU has somehow managed to get a 5-2 and two record, But they have struggled mightily on the way to doing that. They've had a lot of help. Texas Tech last week in Provo turned the ball over five times. Um, It's been that type of scenario. You recall, you know, Arkansas was kind of the beginning of the reeling of Arkansas was the one possession game that BYU beat Arkansas. So we'll see what type of challenge it is uh, for Texas. But you're right. You know, Texas, Oklahoma narrowly escaped last week. Uh, They're going to be playing Kansas. Will Kansas have Jalen Daniels back? How much of an impact does that make? If he yeah. is back versus Oklahoma, all of a sudden, Oklahoma State's an entirely different team have to get waxed at home, 33 to seven by South Alabama. What does that turn Bedlam into? Out West and you see the Pac-12 and then you, you look at what's happened with North Carolina going down in the ACC. There are going to be a lot of goofy things that are going to occur over the next four to five weeks that people won't see coming that are going to happen that will have an impact in this whole entire race for four teams.
0: Boy, you mentioned Texas Tech and, and their game against BYU at three and five. That is one of the most disappointing teams in college football. I really thought, and I like Joey McGuire. He's great. T- tough year for him, but I I, mean, I thought this was going to be a much better team than three and five right now.
1: Well, well, they're they're on their third quarterback, and their third right. quarterback happens to be a true freshman. That's unfortunate. They've shown bright spots, but they've been their own worst enemy. Right. And right. I think they're also one of those teams because Joey McGuire is one of the one of the greatest dudes of all time. They're also one of those teams that probably had a little too premature off-season hype, right. giving that they overachieved last year and went into this season, and maybe that roster isn't quite ready for prime time yet, and right. then the injuries happened. Yeah. And when that happened, particularly at the quarterback position, you're going to be at a disadvantage almost every week because you have to avoid turning the ball over. You have to avoid making mistakes, and a lot of that stuff starts with a young and quarterback.
0: It is Ball presented by MyBookie.ag. He is Tom Lugaville of ESPN. You'll see him on the BYU-Texas game Saturday, 230 ABC. Uh, MyBookie.ag, you can play that game there, all the games there at MyBookie.ag. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere. Right now with code Next Round, you get a sign-on bonus of 110%. That is free money from MyBookie.ag. <laughs> Absolutely free money to use. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.ag. Also, Roback.com providing our apparel. Roback.com, everything from those soft hoodies to the quarter zips to the great golf shirts to the pants that are so comfortable and look so great. You can get it all right there at Roback.com, top of the line apparel that feels great. Roback.com, code TNR20 for 20% off your first order at Roback.com when you use code TNR20. All right, let's move to the controversy with Jim Harbaugh and Michigan. The NCAA is talking about it. I'm sure the Big Ten is looking at it. I just want to talk about the whole concept of sign stealing. So the rule is in place. The rule that Harbaugh supposedly has violated here, or Michigan has, is having an advanced scout at a game. And the reason that they don't allow you to do that is because all the coaches film that everybody has access to, I can't see the signals from the sideline, So I can't match up signals with the play, right? That's shot purposefully that way for everyone. But if I send a guy in advance and he gets the signals, now I can match it up with the plays and I've stolen signals. That's why the rule is there. Do you feel like this is the only team that might be pushing that rule a little bit?
1: Well, listen, again, if, if we're discussing alleged conduct here, because right. that's what we have to call it until right. we know, know better. First off, have you noticed over the last, really the last two to three years in particular, how the sidelines in college football have changed. We have all of these tarps. We have these overhangs so that uh, somebody in the booth can't look down. We have guys holding up big flags and tarps, you know, uh, above the quarterback guys giving signals in the whole nine yards. So every coach is aware of it, but they are, they're aware and they're almost accepting that it's going to be part of the in-game experience. So you're doing everything you can to prevent that in-game from one opponent on the other sideline to to, to yourself on the opposite. What's being alleged here is far more diabolical because when you use the term advanced scouting, that could apply to one week in advance, two weeks in advance, three weeks in advance. So let's just say um, person A is booking a ticket to go to see team A All right. Three weeks from this coming weekend for the opponent that they would play three weeks from now. Okay. Not only are you using video and audio equipment to match up the signal with the play, but you've also given yourself three whole weeks to do it. Right. Right. This isn't something we're talking about going out and doing it on a Saturday and then having to turn it around. For the coaching staff, the next day, that's that, that, that could you do it? Yes. Would you have to have an immense manpower? Yes. But when you're talking about doing it in weeks that are far beyond the next opponent, that's where it gets to the point where I think it's really out of line because now you are essentially so far ahead of the game that every single call that they may come up with. You could literally line up the perfect defense to defend it, and you had it all the bag for two to three weeks. Yeah, that's the dangerous
0: part. Yeah how how hard is it to still from a good team, a team that's good at doing it, to still signs in game? How long does that normally take? Well, in-game. let's. Well,
1: in game, I think dep- It all depends on if you can see it. Right, they've taken all of these measures right. now to try and get away from it. And then, of course, you're going to have – it might be an analyst. It might be two backup quarterbacks. You're going to have between two to three people, all right? Two of the three are going to be a dummy call. Maybe you'll have four people. Three of the four are going to be a dummy call. One's the legitimate call. So in order to do this, you'd have to dissect every one of those guys and then decipher through, once they run that play again, figuring out what that signal was between those three or four players or three or four people on the sideline doing it in game i think that's really really difficult to do i i, I really do um can it be done yeah i mean uh, if you had somebody just completely devoted to sitting there with their binoculars and watching the other sideline and you got a certain feel for hand motions and ways maybe it was a snap count uh, uh, signal uh maybe it was a motion signal maybe it was a personnel signal because that's right. the other thing if you get the personnel signals you can always try to make sure you at least have the right personnel on the field. That would probably be the easiest thing right. to decipher early on.
0: So a, a program, let's take a program with a big staff, at Alabama, a Georgia, a Michigan, Ohio State, a Florida, uh, LSU, that have all these massive staffs. How often are they changing their signals? Are they, are they changing it on a game-to-game, a couple games at a time? Are they changing it all season? Um, I
1: would not say that we they'd necessarily be changing it. It's been my experience as a player and a coach in a no-huddle system where you have multiple signals for the same play. Okay. So, um, uh, for, for example, you know, your inside zone, the signal coming from the sideline might be three different signals. They all mean the same thing to the quarterback and to the players. And then what the quarterback's barking out, could be three different things. So I'll uh, a prime example of an offense that I had played in years and years ago. Our inside zone was any boy's name and our inside zone to the left was any girl's name. Okay. So when that thing came in, it might've come in, in a couple of different ways, but I could call it however I wanted. And I would never use the same name twice. Right. So, you know, those types of things you can guard against. So if I'm sitting there going Mike, Mike, Mike or Bob, 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 you know, we kind of knew what it was. And then you'd have to get a little bit more advanced if you played somebody again and some, you know, you know, some of that stuff. But you always have more than one signal for any call, any formation, any bit of terminology in your bag so that you don't have to routinely come up with changing stuff week in and week out.
0: So let's just assume for purposes of this discussion, let's assume I know your signals, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm standing on the opposite sideline. I'm a defensive analyst, defensive coordinator, defensive line coach, whatever it is. And I'm watching it signaled in. And I see the play get signaled in. How difficult is it for me and my mind, as a defensive coach, to realize? All right, we need to be in this defense, and then signal that into my defense. Is that pretty? Would that be fairly simple to do? Is that more complicated than it sounds?
1: It'd be fairly simple to do. You just have to make sure that once you see that, you're immediately given your call of the defense, especially right. if they're going up tempo, yeah. right? You just have to immediately make sure that you're relaying that as, as, as fast as you as you can see it. And the other thing, too, one of the other ways to beat this, one of the other ways to avoid this is to strictly go to a wristband-type scenario. Right. All right? So if you're going to sit there and, you know, signal in, and <laughs> this is going to sound crazy, but you can sit there and say, all right, we want to run play number five, but they're going to be able to match up what you call play number five to what the play is. So your signal for play number five isn't play number five, right. but everybody on offense knows what it is, and then they look down at play number five, and you don't know what that is. It's a defense, and the signal wouldn't matter. So that could, that could be another way of avoiding. And we're seeing we're seeing people if you start to watch on Saturdays, you start to look at the quarterback, and you look at their forearm. You start to look at some of the receivers and some of the some of them are li- di- yeah. di- you know dialed into it too. Especially if you go fast, you're going to hurry up, get lined up, and you're going to look to that sideline. And then all of a sudden you might blink down. Okay, you're ready to go. So there are ways to work around this. It's just making it a lot more difficult. And in this particular story, this particular, if we want to call it an investigation, um, I mean, let's just say all of this comes to fruition. Like, to me, this is a ban from the college football playoff type of scenario.
0: Yeah, I just, I don't think they can act that quickly. I would not disagree with you. Um, I, I don't know if they go, well,
1: the NCAA never acts quickly.
0: No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Until now, they I, pretend like they have to. Right. Now, I <laughs> think they probably have a burn to their saddle with Harbaugh based on the. Oh, they totally do. Yeah. Based on the start of the season. So they might fast track this thing, but I, whew, I don't know, man. That seems like, I mean, we're almost in November. Uh seems like that'd be quick action, but you never know quicker than they normally act.
1: Do you almost get to the, do you almost get the feeling that Harbaugh just doesn't care? It's like, yes, come after do. me. Yeah. Uh, you want to fire me? Fire me. I don't need to put food on the table. I'm not trying to feed my kids. All right. Could I get a job in the NFL? Yeah, I probably could. So he's in the position to say, I'm going to do whatever I have to do. And if people don't like it, tough. If it's unethical, tough. If it's immoral, tough. You just kind of get that sense. I mean, everybody talks about the stuff that happened during COVID. That wasn't about a hamburger. It was about having contact during COVID, which was like the biggest no-no of all time. It's what put Arizona State on on, on serious NCAA um,
0: investigation. And then lying about it. I mean, that was the other thing. Yeah. Where he lied about it, yeah. Uh, on the signals, you know what I see less of now? It was taking over college football for a minute are the the signs with the pictures on them. Yeah. So it, it, why is that reduced so much, do you think?
1: I think that's gotten figured out too. Really? It's, it's so prominent. Yeah. And it's not difficult to see from far away. And so that probably started getting matched up too. Now, if you wanted to go back to some of that, You could do that in the sense. – let's just say you held up three boards. Okay. But two of the three were matched up together as one of the plays when it would look like one of the three are each their own individual Right. I mean, these are the types of thought processes you're going to have to go through if you're going to hold it up in front of everybody to see. Yeah. And think about it. If you bought a seat, if you bought a seat on the Mm -hmm. opposite sideline and you're looking directly down at that, and you've got binoculars, you got a phone, you got a camera or whatever. You're watching not only the signals, you're seeing the board being held up.
0: Yep, no doubt. Now, and, and, and Steve Shaw, the National Director of Officials, has already said, hey, we had decided before any of this that in the bowl season, the nine playoff games, if both teams agree they can use the in-helmet communication, do you think most college programs will be comfortable with that NFL system of just calling it straight into the quarterback's helmet?
1: We should have been doing it for the last 15 yeah, I, years. Oh, it's I the, the dumbest it thing. It, yeah. The technology is there. You want to preserve the integrity; it helps do so. It also helps you play more efficient, sound, uh, better executed football. Yep. Um, it's it's a it's a no brainer. It, yeah. it really is.
0: Yeah, I agree. And the technology is there. It's much less expensive than it once was. It has almost it's not entirely, but boy, you see, it's almost eliminated delays of game in the NFL. Sure, you you sure. see a few. But it's it's darn near eliminated them. Just I'd make safe. an argument
1: that you put it into the helmet of every wide receiver too. If you are away from the box,
0: yeah, you have the radio.
1: If you're in the box, quarterback has it because you got to get the call. That's it. The linemen don't. And the running back doesn't. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's 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 wild. And what by the real quick while we're on the rules, um, I don't know how much of this you're seeing, but it is becoming more and more prominent. We'll talk about a coach next that was doing it with Kyle Whittingham. Um against USC, boy, this substitution match. These defensive, these coaches have realized if my defender loafs in, they're giving me all the time in the world for him to get in there. And if you're gonna if you're gonna change personnel late, I'm gonna force you to take a time out. And yep. it's it, it's becoming epidemic.
1: It's beautiful, isn't it? It's <laughs> absolutely it's it's it, it's it's to me, it's so interesting because it kind of do you remember when they before they made this rule? Right. And I remember seeing Alabama and Kirby smart do this. They would get an entire personnel group that would step like three to four yards onto the yep. field yep. and they would just watch. And if yep. they changed, they'd sprint on there because they didn't have the rule where you had to give them a chance. Right. right? Yep. But now you're right. If they want to come in and sub late, I'm going to tell that guy, Hey, you take a half trot all the way to your position. Yep. And, and, and you, in fact, you
0: walk. That's right. if You have to. And and the guy you're replacing, he waits till you get there and he comes out. He has, Oh, I didn't know it was me coming out, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. and then go ahead and
1: limp off on the way out. Make it even slower.
0: <laughs> it is ball with ESPN's Tom Lucaville. <laughs> You'll see him on uh, BYU Texas coming up 230 ABC Saturday. He is with us on Ball Each Week, courtesy of MyBookie.ag. Code next round when you sign on at MyBookie.ag, get that 110% sign on bonus, free money, use it right away, bet anything, anytime, anywhere. With mybookie.ag, and you can get your plays to use there at lanceslock.com. Lanceslock.com has daily, weekly, monthly, full season packages. He's coming off a 4 0 NFL weekend with uh, three Sunday games and the Monday night football winner. 4 the NFL. I know it's getting after it there. And a winning weekend in football overall. You can get it all right there at lanceslock.com. That is lanceslock.com. Well, let's wrap up talking about Kyle Whittingham. Uh, Coming off that win over USC with a backup quarterback, the old pig farmer. Um, Just a masterful coaching job. This is a guy that we probably don't give the respect he deserves. Uh, He's just a wizard, it seems. Always a good, fundamentally sound team at Utah.
1: So I think when when you talk about Utah and you look at Utah, the one thing that you have to admit to yourself, whether you like it or not, defense does matter. Yep. And great defense can really matter. And they're good at it. And they're good at it. And it can really matter when you're having to play with a second and third string quarterback, which they have done all year long. So when we sit here and we talk about spread offenses and we talk about all these people going up and down the field and so on and so forth. Notice how with USC against Notre Dame, who's pretty good on defense, USC with Utah, who's even better on defense, that those offenses sputter. Those Mm -hmm. offenses are all of a sudden off schedule. They are not playing uh, to where they are dictating terms, and you can go back to Lincoln Riley's teams at Oklahoma in the college football playoff. It happened to every single one of those games except for the Georgia game. It was yeah. the only yeah. one, all right? And so it matters. And where it really aids you is when you have to come up with ways of getting creative. I mean, how about how about Kyle Whittingham? Now, I had Utah twice last year, and this Sione Baki kid was playing as a strong safety and corner. Who the heck plays strong safety in corner? And he's a true <laughs> freshman last year. So they're sitting there going, well, this guy's such a good football player. Why don't we just throw him on all out there on offense and, you know, see what he does. And in typical USC fashion, they line up a true freshman outside linebacker defensive end to match up with Sayoni Vaki in space. What are you doing, SC? I mean, come on. Right. And so the Andy Ludwig, who's been the offensive coordinator at so many different places, and I mean, he's been at San Diego State twice. I think he's yeah. been at, at Wisconsin, Vanderbilt. He, he's been everywhere. He's been very successful everywhere he's been. But this place, he's done a masterful job and um, he knows how good they are in defense. He knows they don't have to wear a cape on offense. Just don't screw it up and you will get into the fourth quarter, and you will not only have a chance to win, you'll probably be the better team, right? Because the other team will be worn down. So, and and Kyle Whittingham, it's interesting you, you bring him up specifically because, you know, having had UCF last week and watching their transition into the power five from the group of five, don't kid yourself now, that running back Gus Malzahn has, those three receivers, they got two or three defensive linemen, could all play for power five teams right now. The problem is, they don't have that competitive depth that you need at the power five level, but you can get away with not having at the group of five level. Well, you go back and you look at Utah. I've shared this with you guys before. He had to build that thing, but look at those first two to three years in the Pac-12, it did not come easy. I think they were sub 500, Yeah, but they were 36 and three or something like that their last three years at the group of five level. So there is a transition time. And once they got past that and the university invested, and now all of a sudden they have a Power 5 background and they've got Power 5 resources and they've dominated a Power 5 conference. It didn't happen overnight. And he did it without the transfer portal. Yeah, that's the other thing that's amazing. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. And they, they could still win this conference. I mean, heck, they're, they're still just one lost team. Who knows? Tough game against Oregon this week, though. But they yeah. got at rice Stadium, which is a tough place to play. You've done games there. That is noted, that is noted as a really, really difficult student section. Tough place to oh. play. Oh, the mus,
1: the mighty Utah student section. That's what they yeah. call it, man. And they are they are right on top of you. I mean, look at Oregon State, Arizona, late Pac twelve. That game is going to be awesome, right? Yeah. And yeah. Oregon State's in the mix, right? Yeah. And I so now that.
0: they've beaten Utah. They've beaten Utah.
1: Yeah. And so now yeah. you have you have you know SC. Poor SC's got to play Washington, Oregon, and UCLA remaining, yeah. right? Colorado probably lost their only opportunity for their their last win against Stanford, so they we'll see how they end up. You still got Washington, Oregon there. This thing's going to be really fun down the stretch. We I feel like we're saying that every week. Yep. But, man, these games are getting good out out west.
0: Yeah, Lugarbill will have BYU, and uh, that's Utah's big rival. Obviously, their in-state rival. BYU yeah. at Texas, two thirty on ABC. Hey, a reminder of all of our codes uh, MyBookie.ag, code next round. Get you 110% of your sign-on bonus. That's free money from mybookie.ag. Also, don't forget manscaped.com. Manscaped.com with all the grooming products, the boxer shorts, everything there at manscaped.com. Your first order, 20% off when you use code BROWN20. That's my last name, BROWN20, 20% off. And roback.com, TNR20, get you 20% off your first order at roback.com with all their apparel and get all your plays at lanceslock.com. All the sponsors here on the show today. Enjoy Austin, Luka Bell. Always fun talking with you.
1: All right, man. We'll see you next week.